0: Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Happy New Year to everybody. This is first show of the new year, of course, um, show number 180. I'm here with uh, my brother Jeff. Uh, Jeff, how are things going?
1: Going well, Rod. Uh, Happy New Year to you. It's kind of a a somber Tuesday after the events of Monday Night Football, but um, we still have lots, lots of good things to talk about.
0: Yeah, we sure do. So uh, and, um, we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, last night. Um, before we do that, let's let's bring our guest in, and that's um, uh, Jeff Kirby. You can follow him at Jeff underscore Kirby four uh, one two. Jeff's the host of. Um, i'm gonna give the twitter handle it's the uh, renegade table it's at renegade underscore table on youtube um hey jeff how are things going
2: good how are you guys doing first and foremost thank you so much for uh, allowing me to come on um this is gonna this is gonna be a fun one
0: absolutely we're, we're yeah we're glad to glad to have you on um you volunteered for this so uh so yeah um yeah we'll have a good discussion so <laughs> So yeah, uh, I'm glad to be talking to you. Definitely. Um, yeah, guys, uh, um, last night, I mean, th- this is something that everybody and I think in the whole country has been following and watching and, um, you know, thinking about praying about, um, DeMar Hamlin last night. Uh, for me, uh, I wasn't watching the game when it happened. Um, we, we turned the game on and the ambulance was on the field. And, you know, and I started figuring out what was going on and everything. Um, I just, I, I can't say anything that hasn't already been said, first of all. Um, I just want to compliment the way everybody's handled it. Um, the the teams involved, the, the fans that were at the game. Um, you know, most everybody that's weighed in on it has been you know, has done their best. Um, you know, to put this in a proper perspective, and I think what it comes down to is 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 that perspective that people, as soon as this happened, people <laughs> realized that uh, or or you know saw the true um, the true gravity, uh, gravity of, of the situation. But you know, that the the football is just entertainment and we're all just there to have fun and right that just went completely to the background as soon as this happened and Mm -hmm. all anybody cared about was was uh was this player's life um you know his well-being and i think that's all anybody still really cares about right now because he's you know he's still in, in critical condition everybody's still worried about him um right Right. You know, hopefully we'll get uh, hopefully we'll get some positive news at some point. So uh, I just wanted to give you guys a chance to weigh in on that before we get into our discussions.
2: Um, For me, I the way that I feel about this is obviously it's a very surreal moment, because like you said, you know, in a in a blink of an eye, obviously, you know, football for us is entertainment for them. It's these players achieving a dream that they have been dreaming of for their whole lives. And you always hear the cliche of, you know, we're prepared to go to war. We're ready to die for this and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, do you know, these, they don't expect to actually go on the field, pad up and then not come home. And it's just, it really puts things into perspective. It really puts things, you know, just, it really makes you think about life. Um, just in itself, I know with us in Pittsburgh, we recently just had the death of uh, Franco Harris, and that really put things into perspective. And I know for us as Steeler fans, in that same exact stadium, we deal with we dealt with a very catastrophic injury with Ryan Chazier in 2017, and mm-hmm. that was it, it's a really tough moment. And I I do want to say I um, I do want to say I salute the Cincinnati Bengals organization and all of their fans for the way that they've handled this. They've handled this with absolute class, and yeah. I do, I can, that's all, we could give nothing but absolute props, and thank you for what, how, the way that they have handled this. Um, but yeah, that's really all I could say about it, other than what we've already heard a million times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean... We we kid around with opposing fan bases, and you know we can we can sit and have a nice conversation with a Steelers fan tonight about being fans of individual teams and so forth. And, and when it you know gets to game day, we we throw we throw around a lot of smack, right? But um, yeah. when 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 reality hits, um, people generally do the right thing, and and you know I think everybody in in those and the stands in Cincinnati had visions of Chuck Hughes back in 1971, just sort of falling over and dying on the field from cardiac arrest. And, you know, the, the seriousness of the situation just just sunk in and didn't take long for word to get out all across the country, um, you know, about how uh, what what had transpired and, and how serious the situation was. And, um, you know, all that other stuff just, just goes away and, and we all become human beings. and um at at that point you know football just isn't that important and i was glad to see that you know everybody really rallied behind this young man and um we wish him the best and you know i hope hope he can get back to to delivering his dream on the on the football field at some point
0: yeah definitely definitely so yeah we we wish the best for him and um and uh, yeah, um, definitely, definitely kudos to to the Bengals. I mean, the Bills, it, really everybody that was involved last night, and and uh, I, I mean, the NFL, everybody's handled this properly. So, um, so yeah, except, except for Skip, Skip Bayless. Bayless.
2: Good to <laughs> what's what's that? Except for Skip Bayless, there's yeah, always going to
1: be somebody out there that that has to be controversial. <laughs>
0: yeah i i didn't hear his quote and i i i know he said something he shouldn't have and so i didn't bother to look it up so um so yeah and that's fine if people need to be stupid at a time like this that's their prerogative i guess but um but yeah so so we'll move on guys um because you know, um, there is going to be more football played. I think, um, you know, the NFL is doing the right thing, and that, uh, that game is not going to be resumed this week, which is absolutely, you know, the correct thing to do. Um, but there are going to be other games played, and the Browns play the Steelers in, in Pittsburgh this coming Sunday. So so we've got, uh, you know, we've got a game game to talk about, and um, some things are less important than DeMar than Hamlin's life, but... We're gonna try to shift gears here and have, have a little bit bit of fun um, talking about the lead up to this game because uh, what seemed like it might have been a uh, you know just a, a season ender actually has some implications for at least one of the teams now. So uh, so so let's um, let's first of all I guess talk about um, the two teams and, and their games uh, this past Sunday. Um, the Browns Browns played Washington and, and won twenty four to ten. Uh, we would usually take a pretty deep dive on this, but um, Jeff, let's just kind of go, you know, uh, surface here a bit and um, you know j- just kind of analyze this game a little bit. Um, I mean twenty four ten. I was pretty happy. So so what yeah. what'd you what would you take away from this game?
1: Well, I, I think. The second half was really the the sort of um, aha moment for this team, I think, where, you know, things started to line up, and you can just sort of see it coming in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the offense has really been a struggle for the last several weeks, as we all know, and, you know, getting adjusted to to Deshaun Watson and, and you know, everybody sort of figuring out how to play – with him back there uh, it seemed like you know those those dominoes started to fall in the second half and, and to me that's that's the encouraging takeaway from this game is that you know um, we're, we're going to get back to running a competent NFL offense um, again at some point which you know had really been in question the last several weeks and and pretty much throughout the whole first half you know that the, the, we didn't have much of an offense um the defense, I think, has continued to play well and has has um, you know, had some some nice individual plays, some strong performances from certain guys, um, but as a unit, really, again, starting to show what they're capable of. So that's really what we've been looking for for the last several weeks, and that was that was encouraging in the second half.
2: Yeah,
0: defense playing a little bit of takeaway again with um, three three interceptions. Believe.
1: Yeah, you know when we uh when we did our, our uh, predictions last week, um, not, none of us knew that Carson Wentz was going to be starting. Um,
0: yeah. So <laughs> that helped. It was
1: yeah, that that certainly made a difference in the game.
0: Yeah, but yeah, um, definitely some nice efforts on defense, and um, and and of course uh, Watson with. Uh, Three touchdown passes, um, Nick Chubb with a nice game, Mark Cooper with a nice game. Um, just just a nice effort all around, even though, you know, there were a lot of people who wanted to fire some guys after the first half. You know? Right.
1: Um, <laughs> well, and, and guys Good thing who have struggled didn't all season, you know, guys like Grant Delpit, who have, have really had a hard time figuring out things, um, you know, he is, he's finally getting into a rhythm now and figuring out what he needs to do and, and impacting games. So, yeah, you know, people yeah. can talk about, well, why, you know, why is it taking all season to get to this point? But the important thing is, is that we are, we're finally at this point.
0: Right. Definitely. Definitely. So let's, let's flash back to the <laughs> score predictions, Jeff, while we're thinking about it so that we're not messing around with it later on when we give our <laughs> score predictions for this coming week. Right. Um, yeah. You picked Washington to win so we we thank you for taking one for the team and I get getting the participation the
1: Browns to win. trophy this year. You, you do.
0: Yeah. You do. Yeah. Um I think the wins uh, going to go to Redleg because he had the Browns winning 21-17. I had the Browns yes. winning 17-14. So he had the higher higher score picked and also the uh, slightly larger margin of victory so so we're going to give yeah. him the one on that so so, in the um,
1: longstanding tradition of this podcast, the guest is always the winner.
0: Which that doesn't bode well for the Browns coming weekend because I think I know how the score predictions are going to go. <laughs> right, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. So the uh, we'll, we have plenty of time to talk about that game coming up. the The Steelers. Um, Let's see. Uh Steelers, Jeff, they've won what, three in a row now?
2: Uh yes. They've uh they've won 3 what's uh here. It's three in a um, row. Was,
0: <laughs> my computer just went
2: completely downhill for a second. There we go. <laughs> um yeah, it's been three in a row. Uh all pretty close games, right? Um Yeah, so you Carolina, uh that was a one uh one score game. Obviously Las Vegas and the, uh, this last game against Baltimore, both games, I had to go down to the wire, um, literally to the yeah. last second with uh, rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett, av- I, uh, obviously going down, scoring game winning drives on uh, in both of those games. But yeah, I mean, I really just say uh, you look at the overall totality since the buy for the Steelers only have two losses, one of them against the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, 37 to 30. And then that. Crusher loss to Baltimore 16-14. after that, I mean, 6-2 and two since the bye. That is absolutely incredible for compared to what we thought we were seeing from this team before the bye.
0: Yeah, so go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff.
1: Do Steelers fans still want to fire Mike
2: Tomlin, Jeff? Sadly, and I hate – here's the funny <laughs> part. about. Like, here's what's crazy about this, and I've been actually raving about this you know, just uh, to my friends and on the Renegade Roundtable podcast. It's crazy. Like, when we talk about Mike Tomlin, there's 31 fan bases. There's 31, uh, p- you know, everyone in the NFL, whether it's media, whether it's coaches and players, whether it's fans, they all praise Mike Tomlin except Steeler fans. And it absolutely <laughs> makes me want to pull my hair out. Because when you look and- – Honestly, it, may, it makes them sound like spoiled brats. And let's be honest. The Steelers fans have been spoiled for the longest of times. And But at the end of the day, you have a coach who has 15 years without a losing record. 15 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That is incredible. To I think that's, what, the fourth longest streak in NFL history? And it's just absolutely mind-boggling that fans are actually... Wanting Mike Tomlin fired. I'll listen to radio in Pittsburgh and some of the hosts are trying to call for his name. They're saying, oh, what do we got to do to get Sean Payton in here? And, oh, I'll drive Mike Tomlin to the airport myself. And it just <laughs> makes me want to pull my hair out. Because at the end of the day, the grass is not always going to be greener. Okay. what I forget who it was. I think it was Ryan Clark. He said, all right. All right. You asked for it. And if it happens, you might regret it, and that's exactly what I think would happen if they actually were to let yeah. go of Mike Tomlin, which we obviously know with the history of the Steelers, that isn't happening.
1: Yeah, no, I mean your ownership yeah. doesn't doesn't make knee jerk decisions like our organization does. Uh, <laughs> you have a you have a, a longstanding tradition of. of
0: Writing things out putting
1: systems in place and 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 plugging players into those systems. And it's the kind of organization that, that us in Cleveland, uh, we can only dream about one day actually having um, where, you know, we're not constantly hitting the reset button. Um, but it is kind of funny how, you know, fan bases tend to blame head coaches Um for teams going through you know win and loss cycles, and let's face it, that's really what it is for the Steelers now. I mean, you had probably a Hall of Fame quarterback retire last year, um, and you picked a guy in the draft, and you brought in a journeyman. Um, you know who really expected the Steelers to contend this year, based on that fact alone, or those facts alone. You know, so. Um, right. But it just it goes to show you that what a good organization can do with continuity. Uh, with an experienced coaching staff that it's all on the same page uh, that the Steelers are right in the thick of things again.
2: Yeah. And I do want to make this, I do want to say one thing. And obviously like what I just said about Mike Tomlin. Now at the end of the day, I, I, I can't sit here and say that he's the absolute best head coach in all of the NFL. He is one of the best, but he obviously, uh, just like every other head coach in the NFL and in the history of the NFL he has his flaws, and I think especially what you will see, especially with the last couple of years, and him being a defensive-minded coach, he was a part of that two thousand, I believe, two thousand two Buccaneers team who uh, won the Super Bowl with that great defense. And I think the one thing though that has bothered me with Mike Tomlin this year is obviously with the way that the defense have played at some, you know, throughout. Especially when you come in and bring in Brian Flores, one of the best defensive minds in the NFL, in my opinion, might even be a better defensive mind than Mike Tomlin. You have those two on the same page. You should not be struggling on defense the way that they did at times. And I understand that T.J. Watt was out for most of the first before the, you know, all of before the bye. I understand that but you still have Cameron Hayward, one of the best interior linemen in the NFL. You still have Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, you should still be able to find ways to close out some of these closer games. And the way that this defense had played at times was just very frustrating, to say the least. Yeah, well, it's I'll interesting.
1: Mike, Mike Tomlin would have a, a job in a week if he was fired by the Steelers organization.
2: I think it would be in point oh two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah. W- it would literally go. Mike Tomlin, you're fired. Hey, you want to come coach for us? That quick, right? Oh
0: yeah, right.
2: And defensive
0: coordinators um, in in this in this league, um, it it's tough to be popular. It is because <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard to it's hard to go out there and pitch a shutout every week in this league. Yeah, and yeah. you yeah. you give up anything, and the fans are on you. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not an easy gig whatsoever. Right. So, um, so you mentioned Kenny Pickett and the two, uh, um, uh, the two um, game closing drives, game winning drives. Um, his overall stats—I uh, didn't look at his completion percentage, but he's like uh, six touchdown passes, nine picks. So, I mean, he's he's played a bit like a rookie. Um, It Mm -hmm. looks like um, from what I've seen. So um, do you feel like he's been improving in these last few games? I mean, he's not putting up big numbers. Steelers are still running the ball a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of wondered what you think about his play now compared to when he first took over, you know, the the starting job.
2: Well, for me, when it comes to Kenny Pickett, so he has a 64.4 percent completion percentage, which isn't the worst in the world. I do think in today's NFL you would like to see it be above maybe 65%, 66%. Um, but yes. 644 that's not bad at all. Def- I have definitely seen a lot of improvements from Kenny Pickett throughout. And I think part of the reason as well, when you go back to training camp and the way that Mike Tomlin handled the, coach, uh, the, the quarterback situation, because this is the first time he had to deal with this, I'm going to make a comparison, and this is something that you guys will totally understand and remember was with the way that Hugh Jackson handled Baker Mayfield back in 2018 with when Hugh Jackson was very into wanting to give Tyrod Taylor or Tarad Taylor uh, those uh, starting quarterback reps, and he was so hell-bent on Uh giving those reps. That's kind of how it was with Mike Tomlin and Mitch Trubisky. And I think, in a way, you you definitely saw that because those reps that you saw in the second half versus the Jets and so on were the first time that he had really thrown to those guys. And then you look at his very first start going up against Buffalo. I mean, that's that's about as hard as it could possibly be. And just yeah. overall, you saw progressions throughout his time with uh, – I mean, now you're starting to see him understand uh, defenses. He's starting to read defenses a lot better. He's gaining more chemistry with his guys – and I think that's something that is very important to see when it comes to uh to Kenny Pickett. Now, obviously the stats are not, you know, are not there. Six touchdowns, nine picks. Uh I want to say was it four, seven, eight of those interceptions came before the bye. He's only thrown one interception. and That was against the Raiders. That was a bad decision on him. But yeah, one interception since in the last however eight games, that's something right there that is very very good to see because the decision-making is getting a lot better. Um, He's not throwing nearly as many interceptions, obviously. One interception in the last eight. I think any team would take that all day long from their quarterback.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I was just looking at the lines for uh, Watson compared to Pickett, um, you know, last week, and I'm not comparing the two guys because they're different stages of of their career, but obviously both uh, starting to play better right now. But um, Watson threw eight, uh, completed nine of eighteen for a buck sixty nine, and uh, Pickett completed fifteen of twenty seven for for a buck sixty eight. So they almost threw for the same yardage, and um, it just shows me that Pickett's throwing a lot more short short passes, and uh, I mean. Uh, Looking at the Steelers' receivers in the, in the game against the Ravens, um, there's several guys had three catches. Um, nobody had more than 36 yards receiving. So, I so he's spreading spreading it around.
2: Um, yeah, it's definitely well, something that Mike Tomlin wanted to uh, really wanted to have happen with this offense is you know be conservative, uh, don't take unnecessary risks, and I think really what really traumatized Mike Tomlin was the game against the Ravens when Mitch Trubisky had to come in and he threw those three interceptions I think at the end of the day that's really uh, really has has made Mike Tomlin live in his fears and it's ironic because Mike Tomlin always says that he doesn't live in his fears hey Mike you're kind of living in your fears with the way that you're running this offense. And as much as we all want to blame Matt Canada for everything, because it's easy, it's easy to blame the coordinators for, you know, for everything. But part of that is also with the way that Mike Tomlin wants to win these games. He wants to win these games, low scoring, ugly, let the defense win the game and the offense just, you know, just play very conservative. And obviously, I mean, yeah, like you said, there were six receivers that had, or I want to say, yeah, yeah, six receivers who, who had multiple catches. Sure, nice three to see, catches. Like you yeah. said, spreading the ball around. But yeah, this is exactly the way that Mike Tomlin wants to win these games. Yeah, right, I was it's, thinking. It's, Go
1: ahead, It's Joe. interesting that um, you talk about NFL head coaches with rookie quarterbacks. Um, I, I don't think there are many NFL quarter, NFL head coaches who are comfortable enough or secure enough to feel good about playing a rookie quarterback. Um, You know, Mike Tomlin obviously wanted the, you know, the veteran um, there early on to sort of set the tone uh, before turning things over to Kenny Pickett. I mean, Mm -hmm. the only guy I can think of in the NFL who's ever been successful with rookie quarterbacks (laughs) is Bill Belichick. I mean, look at what he did the last couple of years with Mac Jones and even this year, Bailey Zappi going and winning a couple of games for him. Um, it's gotta be terrifying for the average NFL head coach. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that um, Hugh Jackson was average, just below average, but um, <laughs> he had a lot of rookie <laughs> quarterbacks. Yeah. So, and, 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 I, I can only imagine for for Mike Tomlin, you know, what's going through his mind, you know, having to play Kenny Pickett as a rookie. Um, it's really not an ideal situation. And, and, you know, you have to see how that evolves over time. But um, my personal opinion, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen him play a lot. But um, I, I'm not sure that Kenny Pickett's the long-term answer in
2: Pittsburgh. And I understand maybe why people are thinking that, especially with the way that going into um, – Well, last year's draft class, this was a quarterback class that not a lot of people were really excited about. You had Kenny Pickett, you had Desmond Ritter and and, uh, Malik Willis and company like that. And a lot of people were necessarily not knowing how to really feel about. For me, like when I was going through my process of looking at quarterbacks, I said he had kind of reminded me in a way of Derek Carr, which I guess (laughs) in spoilers, that's not necessarily the greatest of looks based on what's going on with him in Las Vegas. (laughs) But I said with the way – if he could get the mobility of, like, a Joe Burrow – now, I'm not saying he is Joe Burrow by any stretch of the imagination, but if you could get the mobility, like, the way he has – the way that Joe Burrow has, and you could really make a defense stay on their heels, I think that's something that would be very effective for him as well. But I also want to say, when it comes to Kenny Pickett, what you just said, you don't know if he's a long-term answer. I'd also like to see him in an offense that's not – well, Steve Smith called it Saturday ish. I call it more of Friday ish with the way that this offense is. So yeah. I want to see what happens when he actually gets into a Sunday ish offense and see what happens. Yeah. I,
0: I'm sure Steeler fans are not happy because I know how it's been watching this Browns offense. You know the the first uh, weeks that Deshaun Watson was back. Um, and, and showing the rust and it's just frustrating not being able to move the ball and, and, and you feel like you've got a cap that, that you're going to be lucky if you score 15, 20 points. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not fun to watch and you're, and you're, um, you're, you're dependent on your defense. Um, and, and, and you're always, it seems like you're always one big play away by the other team of kind of losing control of the game. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's not as much fun as as having an offense that's willing, you know, willing to go out there and and fire the ball down the field once in a while and maybe maybe get a quick score. It's a, yeah. you know it's it's harder to watch and you can't you, play from you, behind that way. No, and and you use that word ugly. And I was going to bring that up because you know it sounds like Mike Tomlin, you know, likes that word, and it seems like the Steelers have kind of won that way for quite a while and it seems to work for him. So, um, you know, I, I guess if that, if it works for you and you can do it consistently, then, you know, I, I guess you stick with it.
2: I guess it's ironic how you go from a Steelers offense back in 2018, where Ben Roethlisberger had once say, over 5,000 passing yards in the offense, which just absolutely going bananas. Yeah. And then 2019 Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt And then it's really been downhill since in terms of the scoring from offense. It went from you were a top offense in the NFL to kind of a bottom feeder offense. Now, 2019, it was a little bit more predictable. I mean, for God's sake, you're playing Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. So you would expect that, which to me, I made a comparison of Mason Rudolph to Derek Anderson. So, but... Yeah, in 2020, it was just Ben Roethlisberger looked like he didn't want to throw the football five yards down the field. And Mm -hmm. 2021, it's Matt Canada. But at least when you have Ben Roethlisberger or a veteran quarterback, you can give uh, the offensive coordinator the double bird and just do whatever you want. Kenny Pickett cannot do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, because it seems like this Browns offense – uh, really started to click, and they, and they were clicking against Washington, who's a at least a pretty it's you know, supposed to be a pretty good defense. Um, you know, good defense. Formidable line.
1: defensive line
0: for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we Jeff, um, Jeff. and I were texting back and forth at the beginning of the game, and Jeff said, "You know, I, I uh, Deshaun Watson might get sacked. Would you say fifteen or twenty times in this game? <laughs> I mean, because he got sacked like." three or four times and you know on the first two drives i think um but the browns figured it out um i don't know how many times he got sacked it was still five times five times yeah so um and really three or four of those were probably in the first quarter so yeah he
1: was just holding on to the ball way too long
0: yeah that that's a, a thing of him just getting comfortable and and making better decisions which he seemed to Start doing more as the game wore on, you know, into the second half. So, um yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if if he truly turned a corner yeah. in that second half. Um, because because if he did, then you know I think it's going to show up in this in this last game. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, and it well it's the same with and it's the same with the Browns defense. The Browns defense they're playing better, you know, but. Can they consistently stop the run? Because that's what the Steelers are going to want to do, which is pretty much what everybody wants to do against the Browns: is run the ball. Yeah. Steelers ran the ball, um, what, um, just between Harris and Warren, they ran the ball 34 times last week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, there's your plan. So, <laughs> so the Browns are going to have to stop that. So, um, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, with that, but you know, guys in, in a game like this last game of the season, Steelers have something to play for Browns playing for pride and actually have a chance to, to, um, for how many times the Browns have gone into Pittsburgh and, and the Steelers were playing to get the Browns head coach fired. Um, the Browns have a chance to try to get to try to knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. So the Browns have something to play for. Um, I, I would say as much as, as the Steelers do, but it, it's a matter of pride. I think, you know, um, Steelers, Jeff, you can go back to that last game, you know, the first game of the season, mm-hmm. but man, I almost feel like you just got to throw everything out the out of the window, you know, out the window on, on this game. And, and it's going to be about pride. It's going to be about which of these teams, that really just cares more about this game at this point.
2: Yeah, when you look at that week three game, it's ironic. I actually did a live reaction stream on that, and my reactions were not fun for myself, very fun for you guys. Um, But, yeah, with the way that you guys, uh, going back to that game in week three, I mean, you guys ran the ball very well. I mean, it's Nick Chubb, so, of course, he's going to run the football very well. 23 carries, 113 yards. Almost five yards of pop, and obviously got a touchdown in there. And that was the biggest key. Amari Cooper, he had a very big game. It was like seven for over 100. So, yeah, it was just maximizing that. How many times did they run QB sneaks and get them? A billion? It, it felt every like time. time won, it felt like yeah. literally every other play was a third and short or a third and one. And you have Jacoby Brissett, who he wore number seven, correct? Was he um,
0: number?
2: Seven? I think. Is
0: that I right? think he
2: wasn't. I think it was number seven. Yeah, I out it, forget. Yeah. Pulling out, you know, because he's very built, it, kind of built the same way as Ben Roethlisberger was. Pulling out his impressions of him, and uh, you know, getting those first downs. But yeah, that was really the biggest key there. And then obviously, there's Miles Garrett. Miles um, Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, you know, those guys can absolutely, re- you know, Miles Garrett especially can absolutely wreck a game. Uh, Mike Tomlin, early, uh, earlier today in his press conference, mentioned how 95 can absolutely wreck a game. But yeah, I think that's the biggest key. If you could really stop the run, honestly, I think that's what you have to do. But in my opinion, from an outsider's perspective, it seems like the person who stops the Browns' run running attack the most is Kevin Stefanski. Am I, I mean, <laughs> it seems like he likes to veer away from what the strength of their offense is. I mean, when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, probably, if not the best running back duo in the NFL, I mean, I don't get it.
0: Chubb only think? ran the ball
2: 14 times last week. See, that's absolutely insane. I'm sorry. If I'm Kevin Stefanski, you have arguably the best running back in the NFL. you got to give him the ball. You have to give him the ball. He's probably your best player on offense. I mean, outside <laughs> of deshaun watson when you know when he is deshaun watson um uh, you have to give him the football there's i mean in reality outside of new england it feels like who's stopping them yeah i, I
0: mean I mean, I mean
1: we've faced some pretty ahead. full boxes for the last several years eight um, or nine eight
0: or nine guys
2: <laughs> in the box. we, we yeah.
1: still have to be able to prove that we can throw the ball
2: Yeah, that is also true.
0: I mean, yeah, Nick Chubb's still going to pick up four or five yards against eight guys occasionally, but, yeah, he's not going to do it consistently, you know, so they do have, I, to have that threat.
1: I'm sure Mike Tomlin would like nothing better than for us to run Nick Chubb 30 times and, and just stop our run game dead.
0: Well, yeah, he wants an ugly game. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I mean... Uh, Obviously, we, we want to see a game where, where uh, much like the second half of the of the of the Washington game, where Deshaun Watson is doing his thing and and rolling around and taking off, you know, and looking like he's making good decisions and feeling comfortable and not not um, running out of bounds for a loss instead of throwing the ball away and right, stuff right. he was doing, yeah. you know, up until the second half of last game. Yeah. And, you know, and and the Browns mixing in Nick Chubb because
1: um, he's the guy the defense has to account for, right? I mean, if if they run Deshaun, I mean, and we're talking, we've been talking for several weeks about some designed run plays for Deshaun Watson, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's really hard for the defense to handle, and and it it just changes everything about what Nick Chubb can do, um, you know, what you can do in the passing game when Deshaun Watson is that threat. And and we've only seen glimpses of it to this
0: point. Yeah. And I don't know what, I still don't know why they don't have um, two backs out there, you know, with, and and I understand that they, that they spell Nick Chubb with Kareem Hunt, but why they don't have both of these guys out there at the same time. I mean, what are you doing as a defense when you look and you see Deshaun Watson Nick Chubb on one side and, and Kareem Hunt on the other side.
2: On top of yeah. having to deal with David Njoku, on top of having to deal with Amari Cooper, that's a yeah. de- that's a defensive nightmare. And that's something that I've thought to myself because you look at Nick Chubb, he's not the greatest of catching the ball out of the backfield. Kareem Hunt is way no. better at that. So yeah, when you got to deal with Trying to figure out, okay, are you going to double cover Amari, Amari Cooper? Then you got to deal with the uh, linebackers trying to cover David Njoku, who is a freak in nature. Then on top of that, you got to deal with, oh, could they be running a screen? Could they be running a wheel route with uh, with Kareem Hunt? Are they going to hand the ball off? What are you going to do? I don't know. So it's just a, yeah. it's an absolute nightmare. And I feel like that's another example of, and I don't know. It, have we ever known why Kevin Stefanski is so hell bent on not doing that? Well, he d- he did a <laughs> little bit at the
0: beginning of the season. He he had a few drives where uh, where Hunt and Chubb were out together, but hmm. we probably I don't think we've seen it on more than ten plays all season. So I don't understand, especially when you have other backs on the team. So. It's not like you have to keep one of those two guys fresh the whole time. They ha- they have Dearness Johnson on the team who who's a pretty good back, and I don't think he's had more than two carries all season. You know, and then they they um, drafted Jerome Ford, who's probably going to be the number two guy next season, and he's maybe had five carries all season. Um, it, it, that that Nick Chubb should be getting the majority of the carries. But why these other guys aren't out there occasionally and rotating and on the field a little bit more, I don't understand because you're primarily only throwing to um you're only throwing to three you know, three guys aside from Hunt. You're you're throwing to Njoku, you're throwing to, to Peoples Jones, and you're throwing to Amari Cooper. And they don't all have to be out there at the same time on every play, you know? Um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
2: So I just looked this up. So there were six times where Kareem Hunt had over 10 carries. Five of those were the first five weeks of the season, 11, 13, 12, 10, 11. Then you get a couple weeks where he only has four and five. Then you have the game against Cincinnati on Monday night. He had 11. Then after that, it's been under 10.
1: Yeah, he's really not been utilized in the offense much this year. Not Um, much. We've know. had a we've had a pretty vanilla offense most of the season, um, aside from you know the, the occasional trick play. Okay, um, but for the most part, we've been we've been very simple. We've been very safe, very high percentage, not a lot of risk, which is what you'd expect an NFL head coach to do when he's playing a backup quarterback or a quarterback who hasn't played in two years. Um, I think yeah. what he's trying to do is is get that stuff to work first and then, you know, he'll be able to to hopefully work some of these other wrinkles in over time. But here we yeah. are in, you know, week week 18 and
0: you know, Still we haven't, haven't seen it.
1: <laughs> we haven't gotten any of that basic stuff to work consistently.
0: It's it's true. It's true. Um Yeah, I I get the feeling that he, with the lack of carries for Chubb a lot of these weeks that he's really just been trying to get work in for Deshaun Watson to make Watson comfortable, that that's really been the main focus, uh, for, Mm -hmm. for the entire team. Um, you know, and, and, uh, it it finally started to pay dividends the second half of, of, um, you know, the last game. So, um, so yeah, so we can complain, but I think that's, Pretty much all they wanted to do, because um, getting to the playoffs by the time Watson was back was, uh, you know, it, it was possible, but it was very slim, a very slim chance. So, uh, so I we said last
1: you know, week we were we were averaging eleven points over the last three games. Um, you know, you're not going to improve that by running Nick Chubb ten more times. You're going to improve that by getting Deshaun Watson to do his thing.
0: But well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they know what's coming with Nick Chubb. But yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so for this uh, for this game coming up, uh, the the steel for the Steelers to get in the playoffs. It, it's kind of interesting because the Steelers would need to beat the Browns. They would need the Bills to beat the Patriots, and they would need the Jets to beat the Dolphins. And these games are all going to be going on at the same time. <laughs> They're all one o'clock games on Sunday. So, so yeah, you wonder uh, just uh, if if um, you know any of those other games, um, you know, get to be a blowout or anything in the wrong direction if the if the uh, you know if the I guess the tempo or the uh, emotion of the game will change at all. <laughs> I would yeah. like to think it wouldn't, but, but who mm. knows? Yeah.
1: Well, I think, you know, Jeff said it earlier, you know, this is a rivalry that goes way back. And, and if these guys can't get up for a Brown Steelers game in week 18, um, they probably shouldn't be playing in the NFL. So
0: That's true.
1: no excuses, no excuses. Go out there and, and, Bust your ass last game of the year, and let the let the playoff scenarios work themselves out.
2: Yes, yeah. I was gonna say yeah for me. Obviously, with the Steelers, you know they have something. I would say obviously when it comes to and I, I don't know if this is more of a a fans thing, but obviously uh, yeah, Brown Steelers. You know I I'm here for, I live in Northeast Ohio, so I completely know how Browns fans are when it comes to Browns Steelers week. It's absolutely insane. And, yeah, if you can't get up for this, that's like that would almost be like an equivalent to saying that Ohio State fans can't get up or, or Ohio State players can't get up for a Michigan game. I mean, that would just be absolutely outright bizarre. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, players on both teams should understand this rivalry, especially by this point in the season, even if they're rookies. So... So yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. And you know, and beyond just the meaning of the rivalry, there there are guys playing for jobs for next next season. You know, not that not that that's going to be totally determined by this game, but there are certainly guys who could potentially lose jobs by not playing well in this game. So uh so you know, so we'll see what happens there. Um just with the play. I mean the Browns, uh, Browns Players overall look look have looked a little bit better um, after after some subpar performances. Um, y- you know, I was just going to bring up the Browns' linebacking core um, that's it, been decimated by injuries. Um, the Browns the Browns uh, have um, seven linebackers on IR. Yeah, the Browns have one linebacker left on left who who was on the team at the beginning of the season, that that's Tony fields. And he was a special teams guy at the beginning of the beginning of the season. (laughs) Didn't
2: he get hurt at some point on Sunday as well? Yeah. He
1: was in the tent for a while.
0: Yeah. Because but he he
1: came back out and played.
0: He came back out. And did Jermaine Carter take his spot? I think that's probably a while, but I think they
1: were rotating Carter in also.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I mean, and you got to give these guys credit because they're, they're they're signing guys off the scrap heap, bringing guys in off practice squads, uh, trading for <laughs> yeah, guys, pretty much. And they've all been playing pretty well. Yeah, they really have. All been I mean, contributing. Um, Deion Deion Jones has played. I mean, he he. Ha- I'm not gonna say he's been great. He's been he's had good games. Um, he's been decent. Um, uh, Reggie Ragland looks like a player out there. Um, he's yep. he's done well, and Tony Fields. Um, aside from some bonehead plays and some penalties, he's looked pretty good. Um, I didn't see enough of Jermaine Carter to, to have, a, have an opinion of him yet. but um, right. but just It's not
1: hard to in. look good as, as a linebacker in our system um, because our defensive tackles are so bad that the linebackers end up making most of the plays anyway. They get tackles
0: and plays, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not hard,
1: to, not hard to look good.
0: Um, guys running the football, they usually make it to the linebackers. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we can laugh about this. So anyway. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> What's well, ironic is real quick. You guys, you know, talk about your guys' linebacking core for us, it's a little bit interesting as well, especially because you look at Devin Bush, who you traded up 10 spots to get back in 2019. He just played five defensive snaps on Sunday for the Steelers. Um, needless to say, he will be in a different uniform in 2023. Miles Jack was another guy. We signed him in free agency to a, I believe, a two-year deal. He's dealing with a groin injury. He left that game on Sunday, so it very well possibly could we could possibly see Robert Spillane, which Steelers fans have a love-hate relationship with him, and also a rookie in Mark Robinson, who was a seventh round pick uh from Ole Miss and he just saw his first action I, I believe this is only his second game this year where he was actually given a helmet and he played pretty well out there all things considered so I know you guys have you you know linebacking ish uh, injury issues for us I mean we're dealing with one injury slash someone we can't wait to ship off to another city and so yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how Mike Tomlin handles Devin Bush for our end. Um, yeah, because if he has another game where he doesn't play that many, I think he will be saying goodbye to him, or more like thank you, Lord, he is gone. <laughs> maybe we should run
1: the ball thirty-five times.
0: Uh, maybe if, if uh, <laughs> well, as long as I get past the, the defensive line, yeah. I mean, right. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's interesting. I mean, fans um, fans are always mad at somebody. So um, there, there's always going to be a target. And unless the team can go, you know, undefeated, they're, they're going to find somebody to get mad at, I think.
2: so. Um, I guess we should ask Patriots fans back in 2007, hey, what were you mad at? Was there anything? Because, I mean, you'll see Chiefs fans who get mad at things, and I'm like, um, I don't think you're allowed to be mad. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> You guys
0: win, like, 13 games every season. There's nothing to get upset about. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you, definitely. So, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, Browns, Jeff, how, how are you feeling about this game? Do you feel like the Browns are going to have the emotion to go in and and and, and put up a good performance? Against the Steelers in the last game of the season, when when this game has more meaning for the Steelers than it does for the Browns.
1: I mean, that's kind of what I was worried about last week against the Commanders, Rod. Yeah,
0: yeah. And
1: and and you know everybody everybody went out and played. So you know, our problem is we've been on this this up and down cycle: win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. You know, and and you know we won big over the Commanders. So you know, did they have another letdown? Right. But right. um like I said before, this is this is the Steelers game. This is the last game of the year. Everybody's playing for a job next year. Um, they can knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. All these incentives to go out there and, and play hard, they ought to be able to get up for this game.
2: Yes, when, I agree. I, one thing I want to say about that, I think, honestly, here's the biggest key to this game, and – when you talk about are they gonna are these players gonna get up to play you you know obviously they're gonna be there but it's a matter of will they be there emotionally in a, in a game that doesn't matter the biggest th- question that I have had with the Browns this year when I've listened to radio and what listened to their fans is do the players get motivated by Kevin Stefanski the way that Steeler fans get motivated from Mike Tomlin Mike Tomlin can motivate a ham sandwich. I don't know if I don't know if Kevin Stefanski can motivate anything. I mean, and I'm it's something that I've just noticed where it's like he's sometimes you know, I will see their victory, you know, the victory videos of them in a locker room and it's it feels like I'm watching a Bob Ross video. And <laughs> Like, I'm, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but it's like at the end of the day, do you – I that's my biggest thing. Can – if if the rules were reversed, if Mike Tomlin was on the – or was uh, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, I mean, I know Browns fans are seething at the teeth wishing that was the case. But if that was the case, those, Mike Tomlin would get those players motivated and ready to go. He will have them players ready. They will have them wanting to go and run through a wall from Mike Tomlin. I don't know if that's the case. And especially with the way that the Steelers have something to play for, they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready. They've played a lot better um, on multiple ends the last few weeks. One thing that I've noticed in particular going uh, through the bye, on offense, the Steelers before the bye were not good on third down. After the bye, they've went up 20%. They're over 50%. Uh-huh. on third down. Defensively, before the buy you, they were giving up forty-six percent on third down. Now it's down to thirty-four. So you're seeing you're seeing improvements. And I think I don't think there's a coincidence. I think it's because of number 90. When you have TJ Wada, and it'll be the same exact for the Browns. If Miles Garrett were to be gone for a majority of the year or a decent amount of the year, the defense is going to play a whole lot different. It's not going to be for the good. So, and yeah. Miles Garrett and TJ Watt, two of the absolute best at what they do in the National Football League. I mean, I mean, Miles Garrett, deal, he's probably going to be a person that wouldn't it be surprised if we find out he's going to need shoulder surgery after what happened with him in that car accident. I think, it was, I think that was actually right after the Steelers game and before the Atlanta game. And first off, glad that he was okay. And everyone involved was okay there, but yeah, that's he. I think Miles Garrett will be ready. Miles Garrett seems like someone he's always going to be ready to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, no matter what. But you just wonder about so. everyone else.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting. We, we've talked about uh, Stefanski and, and this a little bit on 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 this show before. Um, you know, and and Jeff, I think you're kind of making the point that um, that you kind of drafts bring in players that fit, you know, who you have as a staff and everything. And, I mean, the Browns, I think, do have some guys that don't need that that uh, guy to get in your face. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I can tell you Nick Chubb doesn't need anybody to get in his face to get out there and be ready to play. Um, but, you know, as far as the whole roster, I don't know the composition as far as how many guys need that and how many don't. So... You know, maybe, you know, maybe a different coach, a different style of coach would help in some cases. Maybe it
2: wouldn't. It's ironic. So a couple years ago, I do want to give a shout out to one of my friends, Hunter. We did a live stream on Facebook and we were talking about head coaching things and the Browns got brought up. And I remember specifically, I said, I thought you guys should have went after Robert Salah. And that was after the 2019 year. Defense was abysmal. The offense, I mean, let's be honest, Freddie Kitchens, that's to say it all. And I thought he would have been the perfect guy for you guys. He's a motivator. He's a guy that's going to get you ready to go. And I think Robert Sala would have been a guy where if the if you replaced Kevin Stefanski with Robert Sala right now, he would have them ready to go. And I, I remember hearing all throughout the year listening to radio in Cleveland here, about who are the leaders? Like, who are the leaders on this team? Like you mentioned, Nick Chubb is a leader by example. He's not a rah-rah guy. He's going. He's a quiet guy, but he is a hard worker. Well, Amari Cooper, same way. But then you ask yourself, where is possibly the leadership from your $125 million pass rusher or your $100 million corner? Here in Pittsburgh, we don't have that issue. We have Minka. We have Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Najee Harris. Those guys are vocal leaders, that, and you see that now. I know there's different types of leaders, like I said with Nick Chubb, but I do think if you could have one or two of those guys who are vocal leaders who will really get you ready to go, I think that means everything in the National Football League. I no, think,
1: we I, talked
0: I, on the last show. Go ahead. I Doug. think it's yeah,
1: it's a valid criticism. It's it's uh, it's one I leveled at Miles specifically last week. Um, that you know that's what's missing right now, um, and I think that's what this organization needs to do in the off is from a from a roster standpoint is find guys to backfill who who bring some of that. Um, as far as Kevin Stefanski is concerned, I, I think, you know, we, we've talked before about there's different leadership styles, right? And Kevin Stefanski more of a, you know, CEO kind of uh, of a leader, you know, he's, he's delegating, um, you know, he's, he's sort of the level-headed guy, keep, you know, keep everything on an even keel. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, a lot of effort rises all boats, right? Um, where, you know, Mike Tomlin is, you know, going to get in your face and, and, Um, And and I think both can work. Again, like Rod said, it really just depends on your roster composition and what what kind of guys you have on the team. Um, But but Kevin Stefanski definitely needs guys in the clubhouse to to pick up that role, and I I think you're absolutely right. He doesn't have them.
2: I do have one question, and I'm very curious to hear your answers on this. Do you think there's an actual chance that Miles Garrett might go to the front office and say – I think it's time for a change of a change of scenery. Do you think there's a realistic possibility of that happening? I wouldn't think so.
0: <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I
1: I, I don't think so. Um, he seems to be pretty happy here. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, and and honestly, if if he was to do that.
2: It's, what would you What would you get for him? I think you'll definitely. Right? Well, the way that I would look at this, say if that was the case, say he goes to the front office and says, "Listen, I just need a change of scenery." You could definitely, you'll definitely get at least one first. I mean, look at what Miami gave up for Bradley Chubb. Yeah, and let's be honest, Miles Garrett is on a whole different stratosphere than. Uh, the Bradley Chubb. You could definitely get something. And I actually think now I understand that what can you get in value that would, but you know, give you the kind of value that Miles Garrett gives you on the field. Right.
1: That's but my point.
2: When you look I'm not, at it,
1: I'm not really that concerned with going out and getting a whole bunch more first round draft picks because we don't tend to do really well with them anyway, unless okay. they're like number one or number three or four.
2: Well, the reason why I got yes. that idea is because, again, listening to hosts in Cleveland radio and listening to fans that call in, and they sound like they love the idea. Maybe that's my first mistake. Maybe I should stop doing that. And uh,
0: <laughs> maybe that wouldn't be a bad idea.
2: <laughs> but you know, I've just been hearing that over the last couple of weeks, and it made me wonder. And there's a certain establishment that I go to, and we call, uh, we talk about it all the time, and it makes you wonder. Is there the slightest of chances that might happen? I mean, and if that were the case, what do you do? I mean, are you gonna say no? Now go get ready for next season, or what happens with that? Because that could be very interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we saw it a couple seasons ago with David and Joku. We saw it this season with Kareem Hunt. Um, both of those guys stayed here. Um, one got an extension, one didn't. Um yeah I don't know. you take those things on a case-by-case basis, but I'd be really I'd be pretty surprised if if miles
2: did that. okay I would yeah. too. I've learned something in this episode. Stop listening to Cleveland radio and listening to the fans. Got it. Our, Just, our media is really
1: bad here and and our fan base can be even worse at times.
2: <laughs> I mean, I feel like we always say that I mean, we hear the same thing here in Pittsburgh. You'll probably hear that in Jacksonville or in Houston or in Seattle. We always hate the media and we always, I I mean, and then the fan, every fan base is going to have some stupid people. Then there's obviously, you know, every fan base could definitely have some smart, logical people. And then in the media, it's just whatever agenda they're agreeing with or wanting to push or whatever. Yeah.
1: Certain people have, have a, a tendency to try to, create the news rather than
2: just reporting it. Also the case very well could be the case. <laughs> you could tell yes. when it's a dead news day, when you hear, uh, some BS stuff going on. I thought, oh, I can see it's a slow news day. Cool. Breaking news. Deshaun Watson was spotted on the bench, eating a ham sandwich. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's always something going on. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think we can get on. Yeah, let's get on to some predictions. So, so um, last I saw, the, the Steelers are a three-point favorite in this game, which is they're at home, so it's what they would get for being at home. So, pretty much a toss-up. Um, the over/under I saw was forty. So That's um, high. that sounds high. Um, yeah, that yeah, does sound high for this game. Um, so uh. So Steelers Jeff, let's let's get your prediction first and if you want to throw out any uh, any end game predictions as to something that might happen, you're welcome to
2: do that too. Um for me, oh boy. I'm going to go with it I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be oh I, I'm hellbent to say both teams are going to score over 20. I'm going go to go 17-14. to And I think for me, I think Minka Fitzpatrick will have another interception in this game. Okay. Okay.
1: Steelers to win
0: 17-14. Okay. Well, he does, you're picking the Steelers to win, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Browns, Jeff. What's okay. Your, what's your prediction? Well,
1: I, I I tend to agree with the amount of scoring. I'm, I'm pretty close to that. Um, I'm going to say the Browns are going to win 17-13. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be another low-scoring game for both teams. Um, I'd be really surprised if there's a whole lot of uh, – touchdowns in this game so um and as far as predictions go um i think jashaun watson is finally going to get his 50 yards of rushing
0: okay all right um i will also take the under but just barely um i'm going to go browns browns 20 steelers 18 uh, something weird will happen. They'll get 18 points. Um, so, I, <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. So, Katie Org hit at six field goals. Doink. Something's going to yeah.
0: happen. I mean, for the Steelers to get 18, yeah, something will happen. Um, it, yeah. I, I just think it's it's going to be a close game. It's going to be ugly, but I, I think there will be a little more scoring, but it's not going to be over. There's not going to be over 40 points in this game. So, um, I, I I just think the Browns' offense is – Plan is going to do well enough to put up a few points, but um, I think the Steelers will probably counterpunch pretty well in this game. So um, I think uh, I think I think Miles will get his get his two sacks and and break his Browns record. So just because think- he gets up for these
2: games. Real quick, I do want to say something, and uh, I was waiting for the moment to say this, but I wanted to obviously give it at the right time. When you talk, that's a matchup that I was very interested, in, and it's a matchup that I've been interested. I was interested in last year was Miles Garrett versus Dan Moore, our uh, second-year left tackle, because I know Miles Garrett he moves all over the place. But Mm -hmm. um, when it comes like it seemed like Dan Moore in that second game last year against. uh, against uh, Monday night, Dan Moore had the best of Miles Garrett, which was very which was very interesting because Miles Garrett, again, you would think against a rookie left tackle, Miles Garrett going to absolutely destroy him. And you would think the rules would be reversed and Miles Garrett would have four sacks against uh, against the stone man himself and Ben Roethlisberger, but that wasn't the case. I'm very – I do want to give one praise to the Steelers real quick, and that's the off of the blinds. The offensive line has been playing way better than what we had anticipated. And mostly because of the fact that we we haven't really gone through many changes at all. It's been a, a complete unit almost the entire year, which is something when you're trying to develop an offensive line, you absolutely need to have. I know for you guys, you guys have one of the best offensive lines in football. One of the best offensive line coaches and Bill Callahan. So, and I've always said, I wish I had an offensive line like you guys. I know Jedrick Wills could be a little bit iffy. Joel Petonio, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Centers, you guys have had a platoon of them. And I mean, they've played fine for you guys. White Teller's one of the best guards in football. And Jack Conklin, when he stays on the field and he's healthy, he's one I mean, he was a former all pro right tackle. So yeah, you would love if you're a team, you would love to have an offensive line like the Cleveland Browns do. And when you have the one of the best offensive line coaches, yeah, that uh that helps out too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: So, um, so yeah, guys, we'll, uh, we'll see. I think we all agree. It's going, we think it's going to be a close game. So, um, that means one team is probably going to win by 20 or 30, um, <laughs> whenever we predict it like that. So we'll see which team it is, <laughs> but right. uh, hopefully it's a fun game to watch and, you know, and that's what it is. So, uh, so yeah, right. let's, let's get some closing thoughts. Um, and we'll go, uh, we'll go to you first, uh, Jeff, Kirby. Um everybody again can follow you at Jeff underscore Kirby four one two and can check out your uh and check out your show on YouTube.
2: I uh yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, we are on YouTube. We do a podcast each and every Thursday at six PM. We recently just hit six hundred subscribers on there, which is kind of cool. I also plan on doing a live reaction stream during the game. So If you guys want to come, especially if the Browns are winning, for all the Browns fans out there, if you want to see a Steeler fan rage, then you might enjoy that because (laughs) I've been known to rage once or twice in these live reaction streams. I've done, I want to say, four of them. This will be my 3rd Brown Browns-Steelers game, but, I mean, I live in Northeast Ohio. I would think that would probably be one of the best ones to do. Um, Obviously, with me being from here and obviously me being a fan of a rival team, um yeah i think that would be interesting so if you guys are interested um like i said one o'clock be there if you want to if you want to come and talk smack that's fine too that's always appreciated and um but yeah that's what i got to say <laughs> all right
0: Um, uh, jeff closing thoughts
1: yeah we'll we'll save the smack for after the game um yeah, let's just hope this is a fun game to watch, um, and let's hope that we see second half against the Commanders-Browns and not first half against the Commanders-Browns. That that will be a long day.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, again, just want to wish everybody a happy new year. We thank everybody for listening. Uh Keep praying for DeMar Hamlin. Hope he's okay. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.